My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Preston Lowry and his wife Lorraine, they're expecting their first and high time, too. Been married near three years, so I can't say why Jesus waited so long to bless them. Maybe Preston's job as a steam fitter over in Oxford left him too tired to get things rolling right away. It is a long commute, but be that as it may, the wife's with child now, and the young couple couldn't be more excited. I mean, you should have heard Preston going on about the prospect of parenthood just a few weeks ago. It was a Saturday, see, and we were all at Zeb's barber shop, and Preston, undergoing Zeb's tonsorial ministrations, was saying how his boy was going to inherit great power on the pitching mound and be a fine tackle on the football field, too. It all comes down to what you call genetics, says Preston. His daddy, namely me, excelled on the diamond and defensive line, and Preston Jr., he's all but assured to do the same. Now that sounds fine, says Zeb, as he wielded a straight razor to smooth out the back of the man's neck, but do you know if it's going to be a boy? Well, says Preston, I just kind of assumed. Did you now, says Davy Lee Turner, volunteer fireman and father of six. Three of his youngins, two boys and a girl, had joined him on today's trip to the barber. The girl was only four, so a cut from Zeb was just fine for her. Well, let me disabuse you of that notion, says the six-time papa. I've been through this a whole bunch and never once guessed right. You know that uh, sauna something or other they do, says Zeb? That'll tell you right quick. I don't care what some science thing tells me, says Zeb. I know it'll be a boy. Hey, pipes up a voice. You should have a gender reveal party. This came from Davy Lee's ten-year-old, Hagen. A what party, says Preston, Zeb, and Davy Lee all at the same time? A gender reveal party, says the boy. Mrs. Fly had one. Mrs. Fly, by the way, is the lad's fifth grade teacher over at Mid-South Elementary. She's expecting her first, too, apparently. They had a cake, see, says Hagen, with white frosting. And when they cut the first piece, they saw whether it was a blue-colored cake for a boy or pink-colored cake for a girl. That's how they found out what they were having. Now, son, says Davy Lee, that defies logic. Exactly how was the baker familiar with the child's gender when the parents were not? The doctor's office told the bakery, says the boy. Well, why didn't they just tell the mom and dad, says Zeb. I mean, they sort of had more at stake in that information than some confectionery. I don't know, says Hagen. I guess they wanted to find out through cake. How come you can remember all that, says Davy Lee, and you can't remember math? Well, says Preston, I've got to admit that does sound like fun. I mean, even though we're having a boy for sure. So later that day, he floats the idea with Lorraine. It's a party to celebrate the surprise that it's a son, says he. If we know it's a son, says she, then it's hardly a surprise, is it? Except, of course, we don't know. We don't know if it's a girl or has deviltry twixt its legs. Then you'll definitely be surprised, says Preston. 
even if I won't. So he began looking into different ways folks have revealed whether it's going to be toy tea sets or trucks and discovered that there's an abundance of strategies. There's that cake idea, of course, where some will pop a balloon or bust a pinata with pink or blue confetti inside. One fella even used a live alligator to let the cat out of the bag. I think I'd be more afraid it was going to clamp down on my leg and red liquid would be revealed. But it was original, I'll say that. I mean, I never would have even thought to invite a man-eating reptile to a party. Perhaps I'm just not that imaginative. And quite recently, a so-called pyrotechnic device not only shot off colored smoke, but set thousands of acres alight. I've no idea if the smoke was pink or blue, but I suppose that concern was sort of eclipsed by the fiery devastation. It just goes to reason. Anyway, Preston, he read all this and decided he wanted to do something that was both unique and non-lethal. He puzzled over it for a long time, though, and couldn't come up with anything. Then Ronnie Stonecipher, who's taking an ag course over at Heinz Community College, caught wind of his dilemma and offered a solution. In class, see, he'd learned about something called Bistinbetularia, the peppered moth. Now, it turns out, when they're still in their caterpillar stage, these bugs have an amazing power, the power to change color. You put them on a brown twig and they'll turn brown. You put them on a green twig and what do you know, they're green. They blend right into their environment, they do. So Ronnie, he says, why don't we get a bunch of these caterpillars and turn some of them pink and some of them blue? And do what with them, says Preston. I'll tell you what, says Ronnie. On the day of your shindig, we let them loose. Set free the blue ones if it's a boy, says Preston, and the pink ones if it's a girl? Exactly, says Ronnie. Well, says the father-to-be, that strikes me as a scientifically sound idea. And he went home to tell Lorraine about the brilliant strategy to be employed in announcing their offspring's gender to the world. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, says she upon receiving the news. No, honey, says Preston, it's the greatest thing, because nobody's ever done it before, and I want my boy introduced to this world in a big way. First off, says his wife, you don't know if it's a boy, and second, where are you even going to get these caterpillar things? Are they just laying around the garden or something? Uh, says Preston, I'm, uh, I'm working on it. I'll just bet you are, says a skeptical Lorraine. A few minutes later, when his better half was out of the room, Preston called Ronnie, talking real quiet so as not to be overheard. Where do I get peppered moth caterpillars, asked he. England, says Ronnie. England, says Preston, forgetting to whisper. I can't go to old England. Hmm, says Ronnie. I guess that's right. Let me ask my professor. He's pretty bright. So much so, in fact, they call him a, an adjunct. Okay, then, says Preston. And he went on with his day, waiting to hear from his friend. It wasn't until around midnight, though, that he was awakened from a sound sleep by the telephone on his bedside table. Hello, says he, groggy. Hey, it's Ronnie, comes the voice at the other end. Ronnie, says Preston, his brain still half asleep. I talked to my professor, says Ronnie. And guess what? He says he can hook us up. Hook us up with what, says Preston, too tired for the news to register. The caterpillars, says Ronnie. And now Preston sat up, fully awake. Great, says he. Where can I, when can I get them? Well, says Ronnie, I'm not quite sure. 
See, the professor knows someone in Memphis, who knows someone in New Jersey, who knows someone in Malaysia, who knows someone in England, who knows someone in Singapore, who knows someone back in England again. So we kind of have to follow that route. That sounds a bit convoluted, says Preston. Are you sure this is above board? Are you sure you want the caterpillars, says Ronnie? Well, yes, says Preston. Then man up, says his friend. I'll be back in touch. Then he hung up, only to be heard from again three days later, Friday at seven o'clock in the evening. Preston, says Ronnie over the phone, the package has arrived. And if he'd been standing in the room, Preston would have seen him make those what you call air quotes when he said package. You mean the caterpillars, says Preston? Shh, says Ronnie. Ixnay on the adder killer spay. Just meet me at 4 a.m. under the stately downtown oak. I don't suppose I could just come over now, says Preston. No, says Ronnie. 4 a.m., the oak. Oh, yeah, and bring $500. Say what, says Preston? Sorry, says Ronnie, but these uh, packages don't come cheap. See you before dawn. And with that, he hung up. Well, Preston was flummoxed. Where would he get $500 in the next nine hours? He supposed he could sell his truck, but then he'd have no way to get to Oxford and be forced to work from home. A possibility? No, he thought sadly, reasoning that you can't really be employed as a steam fitter from your kitchen table. Lorraine entered to grab the day's copy of the Eagle and saw her husband looking dejected. I hope, she says, that hangdog expression has nothing to do with those danged caterpillars, you and that harebrained scheme. Uh, no, dearest, says Preston. I was just thinking, uh, I was just thinking I wish old Miss was doing better this season. Well, that best be it, says Lorraine, because this young'un's got a bear hug on my bladder and I'm in no mood to deal with your hijinks. Then she marched out with the newspaper and Preston sat down, more morose than ever. Figured he might just take his mind off things by heading out to the garage. He'd vowed to build his baby's crib by hand, and that might have been as good a time as any to start. It was only at that moment, however, with, his very, with this very thought, that inspiration struck. The table saw, the one he'd purchased not three weeks earlier to accomplish his baby furniture plan. If he sold it, he'd be holding a couple hundred bucks. True, that had put the kibosh on the crib, but... The child wasn't due for months. Something would come up, and, and the caterpillars were here now. So Preston called his pal Hank. You remember little Ambrosia's daddy. Because he knew the man was finishing his attic and could use such a tool. Of course, Hank could only go as high as $350, but it was a big step in the right direction. Preston figured he could make up the rest by siphoning the funds out of a separate account Lorraine had set up for baby clothes and diapers and such. There was no informing her of that, however, since the baby using her bladder as a speed bag had made her extra prickly. He'd tell her where there was no crib or money the day the baby was born, reasoning that she'd be in a much better mood to hear such things. By the time Preston had gathered the cash he needed, it was almost midnight, giving him but a few precious hours to sleep before he had to meet with Ronnie and his professor down on Main Street. The older man was a small but imperious-looking fellow wearing a dark suit and carrying a satchel. Hey, says Ronnie, spying his friend coming down the sidewalk toward the oak tree. Preston, this here's Dr. Cash, says the professor. But that's not your name, says Ronnie. It's never mind, says the man, and he looks to Preston. 
My cognomen is of little regard. Now then, are you in possession of the valuated fee? Yeah, says Preston. I just didn't know it was going to cost 500 The price is nominal, interrupts the professor. Unless you prefer to deal with permits and the vagaries of governmental interference, the Fish and Wildlife Department is no better than a roiling melange of quidnuncs. Sorry, says Preston. They're snoops, says Dr. Cash. The professor's doing you a favor, says Preston. If you went through all the red tape, your child would be three years old before you even saw a caterpillar. Shh, says Dr. Cash. They may be eavesdropping on our colloquy even as we speak. So if you could please proffer remuneration. Preston handed over the $500, at which point he took possession of the satchel. As per our agreement, says the academician, uh, says Preston looking in the bag, just how many are in here? I guess upwards of 300, says Dr. Cash. 300, says Preston. I don't need that many. Well, says the professor, you didn't specify a number. So the default was 300, says Preston. Hey, says Ronnie, that'll just make the event more spectacular. You won't have just one or two. And then he whispered, caterpillars crawling round. You'll have dozens and dozens. People will be astounded. Well, I guess that makes sense, says Preston. Like they say, go big or go home. Speaking of, says Dr. Cash, and before they do, knew it, he was pulling away in his Volkswagen Jetta. Good luck, boys, calls he, his window rolled down, and watch your back. Those bureaucratic factotums are everywhere. Then he took off. Well, the plan was that Ronnie, being science-minded, would care for the critters, painting little twigs pink and blue for them to live on so they'd turn a light color. And when the what you call sonogram, that little look-see into the mama's belly, when that sonogram was taken, the doctor's office would tell neither Preston nor Lorraine what the lady was carrying. No, sir, they'd call up Ronnie with the news so he'd know which caterpillars to let loose at the party. I'll keep them in jars, says he, and punch holes in the lids, for oxygen is a key component of life. You are smart, says Preston, adding... Be sure to have plenty of blue ones, because I'm certain it's a boy. So a week later, four and a half months into her journey to motherhood, Lorraine had the exam determining if she was carrying a son or a daughter. The technician kept mum, however, at Preston's direction, with Ronnie, keeping the heads up, with Ronnie getting the heads up instead. A couple days after that, friends and family gathered at the Lowry home for what was, ladies and gentlemen, Truvo's very first gender reveal party. There were hot dogs on the grill and cupcakes and chips and punch. And there was also Ronnie with a big cardboard box. We should do this for our next young'un, says Davy Lee Turner to his missus. After six brats, says she, you think there's going to be another? Just saying, says he, just saying. An hour into the festivities, Ronnie carried the box into the living room as Preston called out, Hear ye, hear ye, it's gender revelation time. And the guests, who'd been enjoying the backyard, quickly entered the house and gathered round the two friends. Lorraine, meantime, stood to the back and muttered, This is ridiculous. Amen, said Davy Lee's wife. Okay, says Preston, first a heartfelt poem. He then recited, We hope you like our little ploy to show you if it's girl or boy. Pink or blue, blue or pink, We'll let you know in just a wink. These caterpillars will attend, sir, to our tiny baby's gender. At which point, Ronnie pulled the lid from the box. 
only to have 300 fully mature peppered moths fly out. That's right, folks. To the horror of the crowd, a veritable cloud of insects covered the entire room. What the? cried Lorraine. Well, she didn't stop at the, but I dasn't repeat the word that followed. Guess they metamorphosed a little sooner than I expected, says Ronnie. Guess so, says Davy Lee's wife. And men are even stupider than I expected. Now I'll never know if it's a boy or a girl, says Preston. Well, not exactly never, says Ronnie. I mean, after it's born, I think it'll be pretty clear. It's a girl, you moron, shouts Lorraine. You found out, says Preston. You betrayed the trust of our gender reveal. Darn right I did, says his wife. I wasn't going to take the word of some caterpillar. Now get these critters out of my house. Well, she inserted a word between these and critters, which, again, I shall not specify. But needless to say, things have, since that afternoon, been a bit tense in the Lowry household. On the plus side, however, Lorraine's anger over the ongoing moth infestation has been tempered by her rage over the discovery that Preston raided the baby's clothing and diaper fund for those selfsame moths. For his part, Preston has come to terms with having a daughter, adding frills and a pink teddy bear to the baby's room, and friend Hank has agreed to let him come over whenever he wants so he can use the table saw and build that crib, a, pre a prospect that just might assuage Lorraine's peak some. Besides, who can stay mad when there's a baby on the way? Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. <laughs>